0: What is happening, everyone? It is another pay-per-view fight week in the UFC. The final pay-per-view of 2022 UFC 282 in Las Vegas on Saturday night, along with Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. Will Brewer, my friend. I know that you are beyond excited because I believe you told me tomorrow, which we're recording this on a Wednesday night this week, tomorrow you are Vegas bound and ready to be at UFC 282 on Saturday.
1: Yeah man, Vegas bound for my birthday this weekend man. Uh I'm 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 excited for 282. It's a deep card. Um of course, we didn't get John Jones like we wanted. We didn't even get Yuri Glover like <laughs> I was, you know, settling for. Yeah. But still, we get a we get a title fight, we get Jan Blahovich, Magomed Ankalaev. We get a stacked card from top to bottom. So as as the MMA hardcore fan that I am, I will be taking in that card all 14, 15 fights. Uh, and it's gonna be exciting, man. I love it.
0: If you are not in your seat when that first fight begins, we're gonna have problems, Will.
1: Now, about that, because <laughs> you know, I I I've I'm the only hardcore fan of the group. Okay. I'm I'm with a bunch of I'm with three casuals, semi-casuals, right? So okay. I told them I would like to get in by this Chris Curtis, Walking Buckley fight. Like that's the, that's the point where I have to be in in my seat because they don't know who Billy, Billy Q and Alex Hernandez is, you know, I would rather be in my seat for the very first fight, but you know, respecting that, you know, these other, my other friends are also, yeah. you know, in Vegas and would like to have a good time and everything. I'm going to put my selfishness aside, but I'm going to be in the building for Chris Curtis and Walking Buckley. Like there's, No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm I'm in the building for that one.
0: If I may present an argument for a moment. Please. You arrive in Vegas on Thursday, right? Right. The fight card is on Saturday, right? Absolutely. You're telling me that your casual friends can't get all of it out of their system in 48 hours before fight number one on Saturday night?
1: Okay. Okay, this is kind of what... You know, I've had similar arguments (laughs) with them about this. So... Fight number one, th- Vegas time takes place, it starts at, what, 3 o'clock? We're not going to get out of there till about, what, 11, 12? So, you know, me, I'm going to be glued to my seat. I will watch right. e- every second of these fights, no matter how long they last. But them, you know, I'm sure they'll want to do some, you know, exploring around and stuff. They're not going to want to be in the building for eight hours. Because, yeah. you know, I do this. Every Saturday, sit on the couch, sit at a friend's house, sit, a, sit at a bar or something like that, watch these fights, and be completely fine with it. Um, they might need to, you know, do some things and, you know, only sure. be glued to their seats for the for four hours, you know. So, hey, I understand. Fair enough, fair I, enough. I, I, was, I, I was them at one point. I You know, when I first started watching and they were trying to explain to me about Anderson Silva and Brock Lesnar and GSP, you know, I don't, my attention span only lasted for about an hour. You know, I, right. I'm, a ba- I'm a basketball player. You know, this right. this, this stuff was all new to me. So I was in for for a while.
0: Weren't we all, right? Like, I, I remember the days of not paying attention to a card at all until, like, the main event, right?
1: Right, yeah. So, I mean, I, I get it. But, you know, they have to meet me halfway. Like, if I'm going to be, you oh, know, if sure. I'm going to understand for them, they got to meet me halfway.
0: For sure. Okay, well, at least Joaquin Buckley versus Chris Curtis is the goal. And that, that you know, has the potential to be fight of the night, right?
1: Yeah, if they fight
0: how they're supposed to fight. And
1: I'm sure we're going to see it from Chris Curtis. I mean, it all depends on how Walking Buckley approaches this fight. But all signs point to me that this is going to be a striker's delight, a war, uh, both guys throwing power shots. But you never know, man. This is the fight game. At, at some point, both these, both these guys need to win. they both cut off losses. So, you know, who knows what we're going to get to see?
0: You say we're going to see it from Chris Curtis, but I mean,. I watched the Jack Hermanson fight, Will. I, I don't. Will hopefully we see it from Chris Curtis, right? Hopefully, right. Hopefully we see it. But like <laughs> in, in his in his defense, this was a fight that was uh
1: that he took on short notice, and it's a ranked welterweight. He didn't fight the way that he normally fights. But I think that the opponent, uh, the the stakes of this fight is going to bring out the best in both guys. So you know we'll see. Both guys have kind of been up and down. Chris Curtis, you know, started his UFC career with with a bang, you know, now, you know, he's fighting the guy who's got the most viral knockout of all time. Like this fight has to, has to be fireworks.
0: It has to be, we can't, this, this can't be a stinker. Could it? I I, I would be pretty shocked if it were a stinker. Yeah, it could, it can't be like, come on now. Yeah, That would be very, very disappointing. Okay. In honor of 2022, I have to do this UFC 282 or UFC 270.
1: Man. Now, 282 for a long time was wiping 270 out of the water. And I still think it does. I still think I give the edge to 282. Uh, but, you know, of course, the, the two fights at the top for 270 hold a lot of weight for that card. You know, Francis and Cyril Ghan and uh, Moreno Figueredo. But this card as a whole, uh, the whole main card as a whole, you guy in the prelims, like, 282 definitely edges 270 because... There, there were times at, at 270, like, I probably couldn't sit through the whole 270 like I can sit through the whole 282. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, at 270, there's there's lows in the action where you're just like, ah. Yeah. You know, I don't know about, th- about this fight. Especially but, you if know, that's a comfortable seat you've
0: got, right, inside the arena. For sure.
1: So, yeah. So, 282, there's a lot to love. There's a lot of bangers, fights that should be bangers. And there's a lot of For very sure. interesting fights that have a lot of stakes to them. So, yeah, 282 for me, for sure.
0: By the way, I wasn't asking that question in terms of me entertaining that 270 was better. It's just been more along the shtick of what we've done all year, where we've kind of poked fun at, at the card that was 270 that began 2022. And look, I, I mean, 280 and 281 were both so great, and 282 in its original lineup was so great that we were closing cool. out 2022 in spectacular fashion. And like you said, this is still a really good pay-per-view card. Uh, it just, you know, it, it doesn't quite have the sizzle that the original lineup had. But um, it's hard to believe we're already at the final pay-per-view card of the year.
1: Yeah, man. Uh, it's hard to believe this year went by with the quickness, man. It seems like yesterday we were talking about 270 and talking about Francis Ngannou and uh, the stakes into the heavyweight title fight that he was having with Gane. Like, we didn't know what the year uh, was going to look like for Francis, except we knew that he was going to have a knee injury or knee surgery and all that. It's crazy all of the things that we've seen in 2022. I mean, I know at some point we'll get to an award show and everything, but yeah. you talk about th- this year, like if I would have told you before this year started that Israel Adesanya, Kamaru Usman, Rose Nami Yunus, Kayla Harrison, uh, you know, if I would have told you all of these dominant fighters who have been, who have grown to be respected uh, would have lost, I mean, I'm sure you wouldn't have believed me. I'm sure you wouldn't have believed me if I would have told you that T.J. Dillashaw, Jay Jacek, Frankie Edgar, Jose Aldo all would have announced their retirement. Like, it's been a crazy, crazy year. Yeah. Uh, a lot has happened.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and Conor McGregor is now a light heavyweight.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Conor McGregor is all of 205 pounds pushing up to the heavyweights for sure. That guy is massive. And for him to even entertain the thought that he's going to try to say that – um, he's not doing anything like there's no way
0: I, I saw no way. I saw one of those clickbait uh, articles today where it's like Conor McGregor is furious at Joe Rogan for suggesting that he's on and, and I'm like oh, that's not a suggestion like we're not idiots in the same way that everybody on this planet knew liver king was juicing right now co- yeah I mean Conor's one thing
1: but if you didn't know that liver king was juicing that like that guy just looked you take one look at him he screams juice like yeah. There's no way. Yeah. And and for him, like I never listened to the whole the diet things and no, uh, all nonsense. the workouts that he did. Like there's no way that you weren't that you're just all natural. Come on, man. There's there's no way.
0: Like I'm not saying any of the stuff that he was preaching doesn't work. I'm just saying it doesn't work like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it doesn't work like that. Not no way.
0: Yeah. Oh and then man. Connor. Connor.
1: When I first I saw a picture of Connor and I thought it was photoshopped. I thought that was a fake picture. I yeah. thought this was just. A a random guy who just had a similar conor Conor mcgregor chest tattoo but when i saw that it was him i was like what the hell like when did he get that big and that fast like there's there's no way that conor mcgregor is not on the juice and he's not in the usada pool i mean that just tells you everything you need to know exactly
0: did you see the photo on social media today of Connor and dustin morphed into one no that was a scary sight but
1: (laughs) yeah i would imagine that's a pretty scary sight
0: i guess dustin's out dustin a bad foot infection. Did you see the photos of that?
1: Yeah, I did see that Oof. bad stuff, and uh, he wasn't responding to uh, the antibiotics uh, until today. So he's been in the hospital for a few days. So yeah. luckily, he ha- he is responding now. So uh, he should be out of there soon.
0: Nasty, nasty stuff. All right, let's revisit Saturday night and the fantastic fight card that was headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Kevin Holland we knew this was great matchmaking. We knew this was going to be stylistically a very pleasing fight to the eyes. And it absolutely delivered a fight of the year type contender from wonder boy and Kevin Holland.
1: Yeah. The, I mean, both guys are finally just happy that they don't have to have a guy fighting them. That's just going for their legs the whole time. They can actually stand and do what they do best. Um, and I think they knew like, we're going to go out here and we're going to put on a show for the fans. I don't think either one of them really cared too much about a win or a loss, especially in Kevin Holland's uh, case. I think Wonderboy definitely cared about a win. But uh, it seemed like they just they went out there and they knew uh, what they were going to do. They knew it was they wanted to put on a show. Um, and, you know, you kind of for, forget, you know, that Wonderboy is capable of, of these things. You know, how fast he is, how uh, the different arsenal strikes that he has. Uh, you kind of forget because, you know, all these guys have been taking him down these last few fights. But when he's in, and and he's in there with another striker, we normally see a pretty solid Wonderboy uh, fight. We just haven't seen it in a while. And Kevin Holland, man, he went on a run where he was just fighting nothing but grapplers, Brunson, Vittori. and these guys are at middleweight. Uh, even dropping down to welterweight, Cowboy Oliveira is, is going out his legs. Uh, Tim Means uh, is going out his legs. So. I mean, these guys knew what the assignment was. They're going to go out there, put on show for the fans, stand up and strike. You know, Kevin Holland even had chances in the uh, in the fight to take Wonder Boy down and ground and pound him, but let him up. So, I mean, uh, we got what we got uh, a a fight of the year contender. uh, And that's what all the fans wanted.
0: I thought that Kevin Holland's power was going to be a problem in this fight. I felt like Wonder Boy is the more skilled fighter. But I felt like if they have a bunch of big exchanges, Kevin Holland was going to be a problem on top of the fact that he had a massive reach advantage as well, right? Um, I thought we saw both of those things in the first round, but really, it was kind of Wonder Boy digging deep and the toughness of Wonder Boy and the ability to adapt to Kevin Holland's strengths that that got him the win. And man, those final couple rounds will, I mean, Wonder Boy absolutely put it on Kevin Holland to the point that, like, as I was marveling over the toughness of Wonder Boy and, like, in my mind thinking he's always been very underrated in terms of his toughness, Yep, it went full circle to where in the fourth round, I'm like, man, Kevin Holland is a tough dude. He has taken so many big shots and he's still standing.
1: Yeah, I thought this was an awful matchup for, uh, for Wonder Boy. I thought that all of the advantages that he had, um, that he normally has fighting at welterweight, the Jeff Neils, the Jorge Masvidals, uh, those guys, they're, they're shorter. They don't have as long of a reach. Like Wonderboy is able to pick those guys apart, but all those advantages he didn't have against Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland's taller. He's got the reach advantage, uh, and he's got the power. So I just didn't, I just didn't see where Wonderboy was going to win this fight. Um, and like you said, we saw it in the first round. We saw uh, Kevin Holland drop him, but you know, after that, I think that's when he broke his hand when he when he dropped him. Uh, and he tried to play it off. He tried to you know laugh and you know talk to him and do all the stuff that he normally does. But I think after a while, you know, he was trying to shake it out and stuff. And I think Wonderboy, you know, caught that. And then he just started kicking right at the right at it, at that right hand. And Kevin Holland's so defensively sound that he's going to block with his right hand. He's going to have his his hand right at the guard. So Wonderboy just kept kicking at it round after round after round. And after a while, I mean, Kevin Holland's hand just I mean, we we can't see it because it's covered in a glove, but I mean it's gotta be in an, an agonizing pain. Yeah. Swollen, just crazy swollen. And uh, Wonderboy just kept attacking it, man. Uh, You know, a guy that nice being that lethal to keep attacking a broken hand. But, you know, you got to do what you got to do in a fight, man. Um, Yeah, those last couple rounds, man, uh, especially once it became pretty obvious that Kevin Holland's hand was was compromised. It just started to become tough to watch. At the same time, though, you just respect Kevin Holland and his toughness because, like, man, how much are you going to take? How much can you take? Uh, And you're continuing to take it. You're trying to find a way to win. Uh, It it wasn't looking good for him But he stayed in there as long as he could man. With a broken hand Uh, Crazy toughness shown by both guys
0: Kevin Holland has I believe the number is 13 UFC fights since 2020 Goodness How (laughs) insane is that?
1: Fighting all kinds of Strikers, grapplers Like Jacare Brunson, Vittori Stephen Wonderboy Thompson Hamzat Shemayev Like He's a guy that the UFC loves because he's going to fight anybody and it's always going to be fun uh, for him to fight. And there was a, there was a that run that he went on during the pandemic when he really burst onto the scene. Mm-hmm. I was looking at him like, man, this guy might be a future champion. And this was at middleweight. You know, I think here at 170, he's got even more of a championship trajectory. But, you know, I think that this matchup with Wonderboy, um, the way he fought it, I think it was just a fight for the fans. But for me, neither guy loses stock, but especially Kevin Holland in the loss. He didn't lose any stock to me.
0: Yeah, not at all. I mean, for anybody that, that might feel that way, because we've seen him lose a number of times, like, the dude takes on any and all comers. Has he ever turned down a fight, right? Whether it's advantageous to him or not, he's, he's always game to fight. And as a fan, how can you not respect what he's done in that time period? Who's taking on Habsat Shemaev on 24 hours notice? Who? Who?
1: <laughs> Who is taking on Hamzat Shemayev on 24 hours notice? Yeah. Like, come on. Kevin. For Kevin Holland to accept that fight, that just tells you Undersized. everything you need to know. Undersized, yeah. That tells you everything you need to know. It's a terrible matchup for him. Kevin Holland was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez in a fight that really was going to favor him. And then you, a complete 180, you have to fight Hamzat Shemayev, who's bigger, and who's just an awful matchup for you. Yeah. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know about Kevin Holland, man. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm a fan. I I appreciate everything he's done to put on shows in the UFC and and accepting pretty much everything that's come his way uh and and ultimately getting in the octagon and trying to to put on the best performance possible, you know, whether that means it's it's stylistically an advantage for him or not. He's there to deliver what at the end of the day is entertainment.
1: Exactly. And whether it's with his mouth whether it's with his fighting style, I mean, he, he's going to be entertaining. Um, he's going to give the fans what they want. Uh, sometimes that works to his detriment, but yeah. everyone respects him and everyone is going to want to see this guy fight. Um, with a, with, No matter if, if he wins or he loses, he's gotten yeah. to that level of star in, at this point. But I still think that there's a like to say there's a path to a championship, but I still see championship intangibles, I guess you could say. Uh, With Kevin Holland, I think uh, if he really set his mind to being a champion, uh, he can do that at 170. But I think right now he's really just like trying to become a fan favorite. And I think he's he's there now. Uh, I think going forward, we'll see what's next for him. But definitely a fan favorite. And all of the fans are going to want to see this guy fight no matter what weight class, no matter who it's against.
0: I'm curious to see what the UFC does with Steven Thompson. Uh, obviously, the guy is uh, way up there in age. Um, I don't know what the championship championship trajectory is. And he even mentioned, like, that's the goal. But in reality, Will, when you look at he's lost to Bilal, he's lost to Gilbert Burns. Those are the two guys that are directly in front of him in the rankings. Hamzat, Colby Covington, Kamaru Usman are all terrible matchups for him. Uh, you look at what's right behind him. He's already fought Jeff Neal. Nobody wants to see Wonderboy and Sean Brady. He's fought Luke. Uh, I think Rachmanov, uh, Rachmanov, uh, Shavkat Rachmanov is another horrible matchup for him. He's fought Masvidal. Magni's another horrible matchup. Kiesa is, like, he's basically either fought or terrible matchup with pretty much everybody in the top 15.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough to really see, like, what the proper path to a championship is for wonder boy at this point. But I think at this point you kind of let the division play out and you fight some of these guys towards the bottom of the top 15. Like there's uh Jorge Masvidal. If you can get that fight, great. He's, he mentioned Conor McGregor in an interview. If you can get that fight, great. You're going to get a, a payday. Also there's a uh, Michelle Pajeda. I actually think like you mentioned this to me, if Michelle Pajeda is available, I think that's the fight they go with. I think uh, Wonderboy's going to take some time off. I think he broke his hand as well. Uh, I think that you can put that fight as a main event, and everyone's just going to know what type of fight it's going to be. Kind of like the same thing with Kevin Holland. Kevin Holland's not even ranked yeah. in the What's Top 15, but everyone knew what type of fight we were going to get. I, I think after seeing that, you put Wonderboy in there with another striker, with another guy who's going to uh, give the fans what they want to see. Like No one wants to see Wonderboy Thompson get grappled uh, for three rounds for 15 minutes when you can when when you could see a wonder boy Kevin Holland type of fight if you fought another striker so yeah. I think you give him a guy like Michelle Pajeda. you know I'm sure Mazdal's not going to want to fight him again Conor McGregor may not want to fight him I think that's just a, a proper matchup there
0: yeah Michelle Pajada makes a ton of sense uh, and it's really the only ranked fighter uh, that stylistically makes sense as well like I think there are a bunch of good matchups out there if he doesn't like if he's not dead set on fighting a guy with a number, or if he's not dead set on on you know I, I need a path to the championship, like Randy Brown, that's a fun fight. Oh um, man, Muslim Salikov, that's
1: Kevin Holland type fight. Yeah,
0: Muslim Salikov is a fun fight. There are fights out there that I think are a lot of fun, but not fights that would be enticing for Wonder Boy to take if championship is the number one goal.
1: I'll throw two other names out there for you. Uh, how about uh, Leech Lee Liang against Stephen yeah, Thompson? there you go. That fight's not hitting the ground. And then what about uh, Jack Dalla madalena oh, That's man. another yeah. fun one. I mean— How about those, Phil Rowe, guys, who we
0: just saw? Whew.
1: That guy—hey, Phil Rowe might be, be a problem. I mean, if he can put it all together—I mean, the guys with this type of length making 170, it's crazy. But, yeah, all those fights, man. All those fights are fun. Uh, even though these guys aren't ranked, they're right. still fun fights, and they're still— Notable guys like uh, Leech. Everyone loves Lee Jingliang now. Uh, everyone loves. Everyone knows what type of fighter Jack Dada Medelena is right. turning into. So,
0: yeah, put Stephen Thompson in some of these fun fights, man. Daniel Rodriguez, Brian um, oh, Barbarena, yeah. who we just saw. I mean, there are there are a ton of really great and fun fights that you can make for Wonder Boy if it's just about putting on great fights. If we're talking about the the projection being path to a title none of those fights make sense for him and unfortunately any fight that does make sense in terms of rankings is a guy that he's already faced and or is a grappler which i mean i'm kind of over watching wonder boy fight grapplers right like if, if he wants to do it again though to to try and beat one of these guys and and get back on a championship path so be it but i don't know man i i just feel like maybe that ship has sailed this is, I think, this is
1: what you do. You put Wonderboy Boy in two more striker type fights. He wins those, or one, one or two more, and then you give him one grappler before you get. You give him a title fight. You give him one grappler uh, who's at the top, maybe a Kobe Covington or yeah. uh, you know someone he hasn't fought. If he's on a three, four fight win streak, give him one guy that's a grappler. And if he beats him, then you give him a title shot. But outside of that, like he's gonna have to see one of these grapplers eventually. Yeah. So I think you just pair him up with strikers up to a a point, and then you give him the grappler before the title shot. I mean, he's got to address that elephant at some point.
0: The co-main event was RDA and Brian Barberena. I thought RDA would win this fight, Will. I I thought that there might be some tricky exchanges, though, in the stand-up with Brian Barberena, and I wondered what that would look like. Um, RDA made this fight so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Like, he absolutely knew the path to victory took that path and cruised
1: yeah he felt like a guy who like knew like you said knew the path to victory and didn't waste any time there's no time to play right this wasn't a guy to play with um he he knew like brian bar is is if you get into a war with him you know he has a chance to win but if i use all of my skills this guy can't hang with me um I I didn't expect him to make it look that easy. I I expected RDA to win. There was no part of me that thought that Brian Barron was going to win, but I did think that it was going to be a lot tougher than it was. I thought it was going to be a 30, 27, 29, 28 type fight. Uh, But RDA, yeah, just showing that he still got it at this advanced uh, stage in his career. um, You know, I think at this point he knows, like, I'm not going to be a champion at 155. uh, Once these guys at 170 are probably bigger, but I'm not going to have to cut any weight. So I think he's trying to get fun fights that are going to, uh, get him a lot of money. And I think, you know, as long as he keeps winning, he's going to get a, t- a fight like that. So this win with Brian Barberina sets him up for a, a, a big time money fight if he can get it. Uh, but um, I don't know if if he will get it. You know, he called out McGregor. You know, there's like Masvidal out there, like maybe even him and Wonderboy. You know, uh, there's there's guys out there for RDA to fight who have names, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what's next for him. But I, I, I know that 155 is pr- is pretty much in his rearview mirror. Yeah.
0: I love the McGregor call-out. I would love to see that fight. Uh, I, that, to me, seems like one of the least likely options of all of the different McGregor possibilities that are out there, but I love the call-out, and for RDA's sake, I would love to see that happen.
1: Yeah, RDA deserves the McGregor fight. I mean... 2015 or 2016, whatever year that was, uh, RDA was, was the lightweight champion. And Conor McGregor was the featherweight champion going up to, to fight RDA. RDA broke his foot. And then, of course, we got the McGregor-Diaz rivalry out of it. And then McGregor ended up fighting Eddie Alvarez for the lightweight title. You know, we know how that went. But RDA was champion. And I think, I still think to this day, if McGregor would have fought RDA uh, that, in that uh, month in March, yeah. back in 2015 or 2016, RDA was going to roll over him. I, I think that RDA was going to take him down and beat him up. Um, luckily for Conor, you know, it went in, into a completely different way. And I think the MMA gods was like, okay, we need to make sure that Conor McGregor becomes a, the biggest star in MMA history. Um, but yeah, now we're here years later. RDA is still relevant. Conor McGregor's looking to stay relevant. I think you could make a case that this fight makes a lot of sense right now. But uh, for Conor McGregor, who is desperately in desperate need of a win, RDA is an awful matchup for him. It's a terrible matchup,
0: yeah. It's a terrible matchup, and I don't think it's the biggest draw either, right? In terms of hype for a fight, like diehards would love it, but it doesn't bring nearly the same hype that like a Chandler fight would or that a Gaethje fight would or that even another Poirier fight, right? I think all of those fights would bring more hype to a fight card than the RDA matchup on top of it being a terrible stylistic matchup for Connor. Um, again, I, I would love to see it for RDA's sake, but I appreciate the fact that he he uh, shot a shot there um, and and a guy that still looks great and passed Frankie Edgar on Saturday night for the most time spent inside the octagon in UFC history.
1: Yeah, RDA still, still doing it, man. Uh, I mean, there's people who are debating whether this guy is a Hall of Famer or not. You know, I think uh, for sure RDA is a Hall Absolutely. of Famer. Absolutely. Um, the way that he was dominant in the lightweight division, the, his lightweight title reign was dominant. Uh, up until he got caught by Eddie Alvarez. But then he goes up to 170 and becomes the number two or three ranked contender, fought for the interim title at welterweight, almost won that that fight against Colby Covington. Like, this guy, for sure, is a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest lightweights of all time, still doing it. I mean, the longevity of this guy's career, I mean, second to none. I mean, he even had that lightweight run that he had was solid. I mean, he didn't get the end result that he wanted, but he still ended up in the top five. Uh, Even after all those years, so credit to RDA man for sure a Hall of Famer.
0: We had Matala Nikolau with a highlight finish of Matt Schnell, who uh, by the way had to shave his head will to make weight in this fight. Nikolau said in his post-fight press uh, or post-fight mic opportunity that he's now a free agent. Um, I mean, you couldn't deliver in a bigger spot than he did in that scenario, now negotiating a new deal potentially, and a guy that I think is very much in the conversation at 125, if we ever move past Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno for crying out loud.
1: Yeah, man, the guy's good. I mean, I didn't realize that he was that good. I think he put on full display just how good that he is. Um I you know, he he fought Manil Cop a few fights ago, and I you know, we saw something there. Uh And then I I forget who he fought next, but uh, he looked really good in that fight as well. So, you know, this was a big one. You know, Matt Schnell's coming off that big win. Everyone's talking about his comeback and everything. But going into this fight, I thought that he was the better fighter. But I thought Matt Schnell was the more dangerous fighter. But for him to go out there and get a finish like that, I mean, that just shows you. Like, this guy's one of the elite at 125, and he deserves a big-time matchup next. I think that, you know, the UFC's going to sign him back. Um, He's one of the best flyweights in the world for sure. And he's on the short list of, of contenders. You know, we, Askarov has moved on. You know, we got Figueiredo, Moreno fighting, hopefully for the final time. Um, you got um, Pantoja there. So, I mean, Nicolau's um, on the short list. Uh, and I think with that performance, uh, it, that just solidified it.
0: Nicolau, Pantoja, Kaikar France, Brandon Royval, all right there beneath uh, Figueiredo and Moreno who are fighting for the fourth. And like you said, hopefully final time just if for no other reason than to move on in this, uh, in this flyweight division. I guess the good thing is they've been fighting so long that we've uh, been able to somewhat uh, stack the contenders uh, because maybe at this time two years ago, there wasn't nearly the same amount of, of draw, I think, from contenders that there is now uh, in the flyweight division. Alright, heavyweights. Speaking of contenders, we might have a new heavyweight contender. Sergey Pavlovich over to Tuivasa. I knew somebody was going to sleep in the first round of this fight. I just didn't know who was going to sleep in the first round of this fight. It was a matter of who landed first. I would have bet my money on to Tuivasa. Uh, that said, I mean, one of these guys was going to land a big shot early, and it was Pavlovich in this case.
1: Yeah, I mean, you knew what type of fight this was going to be. I mean, both these guys uh, have... Knockouts for days. Taito Ivasa just knocked out Derek Lewis and had a, a banger with Cyril gone. The fans know him. The fans love him. But Sergei Pavlovich definitely just introduced himself to the, uh, to the world if you didn't already know who the guy was. I mean, the way that he just dismantled Taito Ivasa. nobody does have to Taito Um, The way he just uh, sat him down and then put him, put him out. I mean, this guy uh, is, a, is a problem for sure. Um, he's, he, all of his fights in the UFC have been finishes. Uh, and then, But, you know, you, you kind of thought at first when he lost to Overeem that, oh, this guy's not going to yeah. really do much. But then he he comes, and now he's won five in a row, and he's got knockouts over Derrick Lewis and Taito Tuivasa. So just to have those two names on your on your resume and, and their first-round knockouts, I mean, that tells you everything you, you need to know about this guy. Heavyweight contender. Uh, he's going to get a big fight next. I mean, Taito Tuivasa was up there in the rankings. Uh, he was close to a title shot. And now you got the surreal gods of the world, the Curtis Blades of the world. Damn it! Is is Stepe ever going to fight? Because he's still holding on to that number two ranking. And then you got that invisible John Jones cloud, you know, hanging over the heavyweight division. So hopefully, you know, the the Jones and and Ganu fight happens, and then we figure out what happens with Stepe. Because this division is just continuously getting more and more stacked. I mean, Tom Aspinall is going to be returning soon. Sergey Pavlovich is up there now. So I mean. There's a lot to love in this heavyweight division, man. We just got to get it rolling.
0: I think I'm I'm somewhat guilty of writing him off when, like you said, he had lost to Overeem. And then he had a three-year gap between fights, right? He lost to Overeem, then had two wins. One of those was against Maurice Green in 2019. And then he didn't fight for three years until that uh, Shamil abdur fight in March of this year. He's got three round one knockouts in 2022. But I think it was the combination of losing to Overeem and then basically not seeing him for a long time that... You know, I think coming into 2022, I would have never even entertained the idea that Pavlovich was going to be a heavyweight contender. Here we are, back to back knockouts over Derek Lewis and Taito Ivasa, two of the biggest names in that heavyweight division, and to me, this seems like a pretty simple one. It's it's surreal, gone.
1: Just a, a interesting tidbit on that. You you remember the uh, the London card back in back in March, the yeah. original one. Tom Aspinall wasn't supposed to be the main event. I forget who they were trying to get to, to be the main event on that card. But Tom Aspinall ended up fighting Volkov, but he was supposed to fight Sergei Pavlovich. Yeah. I wonder how that fight would have went. I wonder if the, if that's another MMA gods thing where they were like, yeah, Tom Aspinall shouldn't fight this guy in front of his own fans. But, um, yeah, next for Sergei Pavlovich, man, I think all of the signs are pointing towards a surreal gun fight because, you know, he's so hard to hit. And Sergei Pavlovich has been knocking everybody out in the first round. So um, I would love to see that fight, but, you know, I think a lot of it has to has to do with what happens at the top of the division for sure. Yeah. You know, what happens with Francis and John? If it's not Francis, then it's going to be Curtis Blades. I could easily see Pavlovich fighting Blades, you know, so I don't know, man, but of course, these, the, this division has to move. And I think we'll have a very clear idea of what's next if – that March 4th card is headlined by Francis and John Jones. Then this division can finally move on.
0: I love seeing all of the big knockout guys face surreal gone because we know that Derek Lewis and Tai to Ivasa and now Sergei Pavlovich, we know they can knock somebody out, right? But what else is in the arsenal? Like Sergey Pavlovich might be the best mixed martial artist in the heavyweight division, but we have no idea if that's the case or not because he's just knocking everyone out in the first round. Maybe he does that to Cyril Gon, but more than likely, you're going to have to see a lot more of the arsenal from Pavlovich against a guy like Cyril Gon than you do against all these other guys where it's just one punch, you land, and the fight is over. Cyril Gon is not that easy to hit, and he's going to test you in a lot of ways, so you kind of really get to see how well-rounded some of the big hitters are when they face that guy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, and he would have to be prepared to not have his fight end in the first round. Right surreal Ghan is that hard to hit and if you if you're banking on knocking this guy out in the first round you're gonna get tired and you're just gonna play right into the game of surreal Ghan. like i watched surreal Ghan force francis and to become a wrestler like that tells you all you need to know about yep. uh what surreal Ghan does defensively and offensively as a striker so um that would be a very entertaining fight like what happens after the initial storm uh it, like you said he might be the best mixed martial artist in the heavyweight division, or he just might be a knockout artist. We don't know, but it would be very interesting. We we would have a lot of answers to those questions in a surreal god fight. Yeah.
0: A big win for Roman Dolidse over Jack Hermanson, uh filling in for Derek Brunson on short notice in this fight. I was excited for the Brunson Hermanson fight. I thought that was a very intriguing, stylistic matchup. Roman Dolidze entered this fight and I thought this was a massive opportunity for him because I think he's really good. Um Jack Hermanson Manson was winning this fight until the sequence uh, in which Roman Dolidze had the spectacular finish trapping that leg and going to pound town. Um, Roman Dolidze is a guy that I think has a very high ceiling, Will.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that guy is very dangerous. I mean, he's leaving, uh, he's he's left the path of destruction in this midway division over the past three fights. I mean, he, he beats Kyle Dacus and Kyle Dacus has to have his uh, surgery on his eye socket. He beats Phil Haas and he popped Phil Hodges knee out of place. I think he tore his ACL or something. And now uh, he wraps Jack Hermanson in a calf slicer uh, that he can't get out of, and and ground and pounds him until he gets a finish. Uh, crazy streak that this guy's on. But I, I knew, man, once this once he became the replacement, like this was a complete 180 from what Jack Hermanson was was expecting For from sure. Derek Brunson. You know, Derek Brunson's more of a decision guy, more of a guy who's going to look to wrestle him. And Delite is pretty just dangerous. He's dangerous everywhere. We see that he's dangerous on the feet and he's dangerous on the ground as well. So, uh, complete 180. And and I thought that the short notice, the short notice made me think that Hermanson was going to win. And we saw that at first. We saw Hermanson kind of uh, getting out to a, off to a good start, but Delite proved man that he's dangerous uh, no matter how long this fight goes. And the fight that Hermanson was winning, he ended up getting the finish, man, and it was a devastating finish. Something that we haven't seen before. And like I think once Jack knew that he couldn't get out, he was just like, Fuck, man, I'm just gonna just c- yeah. cover my head and you know, see what happens. It was it was crazy. I don't think I've seen anything like that before. Nope. Uh and, and now Delete is ranked in the midway division, man. There's a lot of fun matchups out there for him.
0: For sure. I feel like with this card we could spend time on every single prelim as well, because this this card was so good from start to finish. Um I'll just let you give some comments on on whatever prelim fights stand out to you the most for the sake of time today.
1: Well, just to wrap up the main card, Eric Andrews looked outstanding against Kyle Dacus. Uh, I thought that Kyle Dacus was probably going to win that, but Eric Anders looked rejuvenated. And then Phil Rowe over Nico Price. We knew what type of fight that was going to be a war. And uh, Phil Rowe and his length well, proved to be a very big problem for Nico Price. Uh, in terms of the prelims, man, um, very, very happy to see Michael Johnson get a win over Mark DeCasey. I think he just he needed a win like this against a, 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 a rising prospect. Um, JSP Jonathan Pierce looking good um, He's a, he's going to be a problem In the featherweight division um, The the first fight of the night Yasmin uh, you're, I don't even know how to say her last name And then uh, Estella Nunez That fight yeah. kicked off the kicked off the, the night And it, it was a phenomenal fight Estella Nunez drops Yasmin in the first round And then Yasmin finishes her in the second round That fight was fireworks from start to finish And then of course We've got to mention Angela Hill Emily Dakody. I mean it wasn't the performance that, that any of us expected. Uh, I think Angela Hill's pressure. Uh, and I, I thought it was weird that Emily didn't throw as many kicks. Like, that was, the st- that was her staple against Jessica Panay. I don't know if she was worried about getting taken down, but she wasn't throwing the kicks like she normally was, and it just kind of seemed like she accepted that this was going to be a loss pretty yeah. early in the fight. Um, Angela Hill looked outstanding, and uh, Emily just looked off. Um, but I think she will come back and bounce back and be better
0: she she looked off from the beginning and never really found a rhythm and then i think you combine that with angela hill's pressure and once she didn't have a rhythm and was having to deal with that amount of pressure she was just never going to find that rhythm right and and it just kind of set up to be a perfect storm where uh, angela hill had a had a big night and, and hopefully emily Ducote bounces back in a big way um I agree with everything you said across the board i'll, I'll add uh, francis marshall guy that was on this last season of cool. of the contender series had a highlight Type of finish early on the card and a, a young prospect to pay attention to that is very raw but has a lot of ability. Um, I echo the thoughts on Jonathan Pierce. Darren Elkins, by the way, Darren Elkins was bleeding so much that Jonathan Pierce ended up swallowing some of the blood and made himself throw up between rounds. Oh,
1: that is awful. I didn't. I did not see that. Uh, but my apologies. It, it isn't a Darren Elkins, that, Elkins
0: fight. If, but yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> it isn't a Darren Elkins fight if there isn't that's right. Buckets of blood. Because that's just what I've what I, what I become accustomed to with Darren Elkins. He's always bleeding in every
0: fight. Um, but,
1: yeah, oh, that's disgusting.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and my man, Clay Guida, by the way, whose birthday is tomorrow, he is three days younger than I am. Three days younger than me. Out there still kicking ass in the octagon. How can you not respect what Clay Guida is still doing at the age of, uh, soon-to-be age of 41? Uh, happy early birthday to Clay, Clay Guida. Um. By the way, when I said prelims, for some reason, I thought we had finished the main card. I forgot that this was a seven-fight main card on uh, on Saturday, right. which was awesome, because they were like, it's main card time, and there's still seven fights to go, and uh, let's just say I was very, very pleased with that. So,
1: Yeah, this fight card started at 9 p. or the main card started at 9 p.m., and we had seven fights. Yeah. I know you were on cloud nine. I was absolutely
0: <laughs> loving it. All right, UFC 282 in Las Vegas on Saturday night. Will Brewer will be inside the T-Mobile Arena at least by the Joaquin Buckley Chris Curtis fight, uh, to take in all the action. We have to pick that fight, right? Absolutely, for sure. Okay. So in the middleweight division we have Chris Curtis and Joaquin Buckley. Oddshark.com has Buckley as the minus one fifty five favorite, plus one thirty for Chris Curtis.
1: Um yeah, so this one's uh this one's this one's tough. Because like you, if if this fight goes how it should go, and these guys just go out there swing and just swing and bang, uh, either guy can win. This is like a pick 'em. But when you throw in the other, the other layers of, of mixed martial arts, the wrestling and everything, I think that kind of tips the scales in favor of walking Buckley. Um, I think if Joaquin Buckley wanted to get this fight to the ground, he he could. Uh, and then you combine that with his explosiveness, and you combine that with his uh, with his power. Um, I think that if he does make this an MMA fight, as Kevin Holland's coach was telling him to do, uh, I think that Joaquin Buckley should be favored. I think he should be the favorite. But there's this um, inconsistency with Joaquin Buckley that we've seen over the over the years with him. He'll look outstanding one night, and then the next night he just will look off. Um, I think he's kinda of put it together a little bit better, um as of late. But I think we've seen more consistency out of out of Chris Curtis. Uh I think if he can keep this fight on the feet, avoid being taken down. Um I see man. Yeah. I, I see Chris Curtis winning, man. I, I think he'll be able to stuff the takedowns and keep this fight on the feet. And and I think he's knocked out bigger, taller you know, Brendan Allen, Phil, Phil Haas, he's always found their chin. So I think, uh, if this is a firefight, I like Chris Curtis just a little bit more than walking buggy. So I'm gonna go Chris Curtis.
0: I think Buckley has more, um, more power, but I think Chris Curtis has shown a lot more skill, I think in in the striking departments and certainly more skill against higher level, higher skilled guys, right? Buckley has, has hit people with the big power but I don't feel like we've seen a tremendous amount of the the skill against high-skilled guys like we've seen with Chris Curtis. Um, Give me the underdog. I'll take the action man, Chris Curtis, bouncing back after that Jack Hermanson loss against Joaquin Buckley. So the main card of UFC 282 begins in the featherweight division. I think this is probably, Will, the fight that I am most excited about on the entire fight card, main event included. It is featherweights Bryce Mitchell and Ilya Teporia. Oddshark.com has Taporia as the -145 favorite plus 120 for Bryce Thug Nasty Mitchell.
1: Yeah man, this is one where you you go back and forth on it. Um I don't think you can look at this fight and be like, "Oh, I knew from the, from jump." I mean, you, you possibly could, but I know for me, this one was tough for me to choose. Um of course, like Ilya Taporia's come off that that knockout of Jai Herbert of uh, the, the 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 left to the body and the and the, and the right to close the show. I mean, it was it was vicious. Uh, I mean, in a fight that he was losing. um, And then Bryce Mitchell has looked outstanding, you know, since he's come to the UFC. I mean, different crazy submissions and dominant wrestling. So at the end of the day, this is a striker grappler matchup. um, And whoever wins this fight is going to be is going to get a top contender fight. You know, the next time they they see the octagon Uh, in terms of this matchup, though, man. You know, I think Ilya Tapori is good. But, you know, I think wrestling, the grappling aspect, I think that's just the most um, important skill. I think Bryce can dictate where this fight goes. Um, You know, if this were a main event, I think Ilya would have a better chance. Like this was five rounds, but with this being three rounds, I think Bryce will be able to bank at least two of these rounds with his grappling. So I'm gonna go with Bryce Mitchell.
0: I've gone back and forth on this one. This is a very tough fight. To pick, and I like both of these guys. I, I would love to see either one of these guys uh, get a win and vault up the featherweight division and start getting some big time matchups. Um, I think both of these guys are severely underrated within this division, and I think both these guys are are guys that uh, maybe some of the higher rank guys want to avoid. Uh, so the winner of this is going to get a big opportunity, and it's going to be well deserved. I'm gonna go- give me the Matador. Give me Ilya Teporia. I think he is head and shoulders better in the stand up. I think that Bryce Mitchell has the ability to control him on the ground, but Taporia's submission game on the ground is also a factor here that could enable him to potentially um, turn a ground fight into something other than Bryce Mitchell completely controlling him. So um Oh man, this is a tough one. But Ilya Taporia it is for me. So on the opposite sides of the first fight of the main card in the featherweight division the middleweight division gives us fight number two on the main card and it is Darren Till and Drickus Du Plessis I joked with you on the radio show earlier this week like part of me won't believe this fight is actually happening until Darren Till makes the walk he's unfortunately had so many cancellations recently but this is another fight that I think when it does happen is going to be a lot of fun to watch oddshark.com says that Drickus Du Plessis is the favorite at minus 185 plus 150
1: for Darren Till. Yeah, man, this is a uh this is this should be another war type fight, a fight that doesn't go to a, a decision. Um Darren Till uh can he burst onto the scene as a welterweight, uh he's got a victory over Wonderboy Thompson. Uh he fought Robert Whitaker at middleweight to a really really fun fight a, a few years ago in the during the pandemic. Um knocked Derek Brunson down before eventually getting finished uh he's even beat kelvin Gastelum. where where i am putting my thoughts on this is um i still haven't seen darren till fight a true middleweight and be successful and what i mean by that is kelvin Gastelum should be a, a, a welterweight right like robert whitaker should be like I'm gonna say he should be a welterweight, but he he's very close. He's not as big as you would think for a, uh for a middleweight.
0: Kelvin Gastel and um, Robert Whitaker, he, two of the smallest middleweights in the entire UFC. Absolutely. And then uh, I'm I'm missing someone.
1: Brunson. No, I think that's it.
0: Yeah, and then he had the Brunson
1: loss. Yeah, So he then he had the Brunson fight. So yeah. Um. But he's, his, in his success, it's been against smaller guys. At 170, he was great fighting against smaller guys as the bigger guy. Um, and he's always struggled against the the bigger guys like the like the Derek Brunsons of the world. Um, if I still think that Darren Till has some life left in him, but I think this is just the wrong matchup for him to take. <laughs> um, he but he can win this fight. Like Darren Till is skilled enough to land something that'll close the show, and I, I just question his uh, how much he wants it at this point. This is as much of a must win for anyone, for anyone. I mean, he's got to win this fight to stay relevant because like for a while, he was the only UK guy who had hopes of becoming a champion. Now we've got Leon Edwards. We've got Tom Aspinall. We've got uh, Patty Pimlet who's burst onto the scene. Like Darren Till's kind of becoming an afterthought a little bit. So I think he needs one of those y'all must have forgot type of nights. But I think Drake is is not that guy to do it against. Um. I think he's a, ten, he, he's a big middleweight. He's got power. He's uh, he, He'll be pressuring Darren Till to be in his face. Um, he, I mean, he, he's a wild man. And the way that he's knocked out Brad Tavares, he didn't knock out Brad Tavares, did he? He dropped him. He didn't knock him out. That was a question.
0: Oh, no, no, no. I think that was a, a decision.
1: <laughs> okay. and then um, He beat the he hell did out of him. Out, uh, yeah, he beat the hell out of him. And then he did knock out Trevin Giles. Yeah. So um, for for me, I got to see it with Darren Till. I, I I just I just have to see it. Um, I still think he's good. I still think he's got something in the tank, but I got to see it. So my pick's going to go with uh, Drake is Duple C.
0: So Darren Till in the middleweight division, like you said, I think two, one of my big thoughts about this was he's fought two strikers and he's fought a grappler, right? I think we kind of felt like, the Brunson matchup, if Brunson got him down, that was all it wrote, and, and that was the case, right? Brunson absolutely controlled him on the ground. Uh, this is going to be a striking fight, uh, so that's that's a good thing for Darren Till. Drickus Duplessis is a straight-up middleweight, unlike the other two strikers that he's fought at the middleweight division where he was clearly the bigger guy. I will say the Robert Whittaker fight showed us just how high-level his skill is, right? That was a fun fight for five rounds in which I thought against arguably the most most all-around skilled guy in the middleweight division, Darren Till, you could have made a reasonable case when that fight was over, Will, that Darren Till was the winner, right? I mean, I scored it for Whitaker, but I thought it was incredibly close, and I thought it, it could have gone either way. But Robert Whitaker's a guy that's going to match you skill for skill. And that was why I think that fight was so close. du Duplessis is probably not even going to let your skill be part of the equation. He is going to come forward. He's going to come forward awkwardly, and he is going to come forward with a tremendous amount of force. And look, Brad Tavares also hit Drickus Duplessis with big shots. And so we saw the chin. We saw that he could absorb powerful shots coming the other way, but he never stopped. That was 15 minutes of Drickus Duplessis putting the dump truck in drive, breaking the shifter off so that you couldn't change the gear and throwing heat for 15 full minutes. Darren Till's been out for quite a while. I feel like this might be somewhat of an overwhelming type of experience from Drickus Duplessis uh, in the early stages of this fight, and I'm curious to see if he does survive that, how potentially he adjusts. But I think just the pressure and the power uh, that is pretty unrelenting from Drickus Duplessis is the difference. So Drickus Duplessis over Darren Till in this middleweight matchup. I'm excited to see Dracus Duplessis again, by the way.
1: Yeah, and and this is a big moment for him, uh, for both guys. But I think he's going to take all of the star that Darren Till has and yeah. uh, make it his own, and then we'll be talking about him. And then, uh, you know, maybe it's him and Roman Delice next. Who, who knows? I mean, they're both on the same yeah. type of timeline, and that will be a, re- a very fun fight. So, uh, there's, you know, this fight has a lot riding on it, for sure.
0: All right, in the all right, I guess we have a catchweight fight. Uh, at 180 between Santiago Ponzinibbio and Alex Morono. Morono filling in on short notice for Robbie Lawler, who had to pull out with, I think I read, undisclosed injury. Ponzinibbio Lawler screamed fight of the night type of matchup. Um, While Morono isn't Robbie Lawler in name, he is a guy that absolutely loves to strike. And I think stylistically, this is still a very fun fight to watch. Yeah. um... And by the way, Santiago, I didn't we'll, give you the odds. Santiago Ponzinibbio is the minus one seventy five favorite, plus one fifty for Morono.
1: Yeah, you know, we all would have loved to see Robbie Lawler fight. You know, the he he he's a former champion and the and he's a a name that I'll, even the um the uh, the casuals will know. Uh, so it's tough that we're not going to see him on this on this night. I would have love to see Robbie Lawler fight in in person, but um. Alex Morono is still is going to be a tough out uh, taking this fight on literally five days notice. Um, I think there's a lot of potential suitors, and I'm surprised that it was Morono who got the nod. I think Randy Brown wanted this fight, and you know a few other people. But you know Alex Morono's always been game, and uh, I think on this he's going to be tough. Uh, but I think that the, the short notice is going to tip the scales a little bit more for Santiago for me. So uh, Ponzinibbio um, for me.
0: I think it's going to be a fun fight. Um, I think there is a tremendous amount of urgency on Ponzinibbio's side after losing the last two and losing three of four since he came back from that long layoff. Morono's on a win streak right now. He's putting that on the line. Um, I, I don't I, I don't remember how you scored it, but I'm pretty sure that I scored both the Michelle Pineda and the Jeff Neal fights for Santiago Ponzinibbio. Thinking back on it.
1: No. Nah. I don't remember um the Pehato fight as much. No, actually I do. I think I scored the Pehato fight, uh, yeah, fight for uh yeah, the fight for uh but I scored the Jeff Neal fight for uh for Jeff Neal. Okay.
0: All that said, but I
1: think both both of them were uh what, split decisions?
0: I think that's right. Uh yes, yeah, so, yes, both were split decisions. Yeah, that's right.
1: So, yeah, so yeah. I mean, just on the wrong side of of some Right, Split decisions, it's always tough.
0: Which, which has to, I think, lead to some urgency on his side of this equation in this matchup. So, Santiago Ponzanibio for me in this 180 catchweight fight with Alex Morono. All right, the co-main event is a fan favorite. In fact, my producer on my daily radio show, who is a, a casual, told me today, oh, Patty Pimblett's fighting Saturday, I'm going to have to tune in. So that just kind of gives you an idea of where Patty Pimblett's name is in terms of star power and and casuals. Patty Pimblett at 155 versus Jared Gordon. Patty the Batty is your heavy favorite at minus 265, plus 205 for Jared Gordon.
1: Yeah, so Patty Pimblett fighting uh in Vegas, stateside. You know, we we know the reception that he got at uh in, in London. Uh and I think he's gonna get a similar reception in Vegas. Uh, fans love him; he's a big fan favorite. The casuals know him. This is one of those platforms, co-main event on a pay-per-view, that's going to um, make his star that much more bigger, um, especially on a card where there's not many big names. The the biggest name that you'll notice is Patty Palmer. So I'm sure he's gonna get a lot of cheers in the press conference and and, and all that. Um, in terms of the skill. Uh, I think this fight is very, very close. Uh, where I think... Closer than the um, odds
0: suggest, right? Absolutely.
1: But where I think the odds are not necessarily right, but where I would say that this will put Patty in favor would be the big fight feel, the the atmosphere type of environment that, that's going to be taking place on um, this night. Co-main event of a pay-per-view, Jerry Gordon... I mean he, he's he's a great fighter. Good fighter, but he wouldn't be in this position if it weren't for Paddy Pimblett. And I think um he thrives in situations like this where we don't really know what this is going to do to Jerry Gordon. He may fight outstanding or he may just completely drop the ball. But in a fight like this, co-main event on a pay-per-view, I just trust Paddy Pimblett a little bit more. I think he's just been in this type of environment more. You know, Cage Warriors champion. You know, the environment and U- at UFC London. You know, all those fans uh, chanting "Paddy the Batty." There's a lot of pressure that, were go- that was going into those fights, and he he did he did go through adversity, but he did win those fights. So my pick's gonna go with Paddy Pimlet. But I think the skill-wise, this fight is close, but I think Paddy's big fight field experience is gonna be the difference maker.
0: I completely agree with everything you said. I think this is a very close fight. I think I'd probably give Patty the edge on the ground and Jared Gordon the edge uh, standing up. Um, I don't think there's a lot of separation, and Jared Gordon is just a really good, well-rounded, tough guy, right? Which is, I I think, a really good matchup for Patty at this point. I just, don't know what Jared Gordon's going to do in this sort of spotlight, whereas you feel like Patty Pimblett knows how to deliver when the lights are at their brightest. And I completely agree. That was my thoughts on the fight as well. Patty Pimblett being able to, I think not only, um, deliver in these spotlight moments, but, but seemingly, um, get extra juice from these sort of moments in the Conor McGregor way, right? Like it's almost like he just absorbs all the energy that is in that moment and it it makes him an even better fighter. So, uh, that is, that is going to be the difference for me as well. But, I think this is a very tough matchup against a very tough guy uh, and we'll see what happens, man. Like I, I, it wouldn't shock me if Jared Gordon won this fight, but um, you know, I know there are a lot of people that have no idea who Jared Gordon is. And a lot of people that think Patty Pimblett is one of the biggest stars in the UFC. So uh, don't be surprised if this fight is much tougher uh, for the casuals out there than, than maybe, you know, the, the name recognition of this fight would suggest.
1: All right. I I was going to say, I expect, Patty Pimlet to have to face some adversity. I think Jared Gordon is much better than everyone that Paddy Pimlet has fought, and he and he faced adversity in all of those fights. I exactly. think Jared Gordon is more experienced than all those guys. He's better in the standup than all those guys. Exactly. So Patty Pimlet's going to have to go through some some loops in order to get a victory here. But, uh, like you said, the big fight field experience and all that it, it just tips the scales in uh, in Patty's favor.
0: Before we make the pick on this light heavyweight matchup between Yonblahovic and Magomed Ankalaev. I saw today a quote from Uncle Live where he said that Glover Teixeira was scared to face him, which to me is so mind-blowing. I mean, Glover Teixeira is taking on any and all comers. The guy is 43 years old, and time is of the essence in terms of whatever fight he's going to take. If he takes the wrong fight at 43 years old, the path is done, right? There's not a path back to the title. So, I mean, to, to, to prepare for Yuri Prohaska... Who is 180 degrees on the opposite side of the spectrum from where Magomed Ankalaev is in terms of stylistic matchups, uh, and say that the guy is scared when one wrong accepting of a fight on short notice ends Glover having any shot at the title? To me, is like that's not scared. That's that's being smart with the little time that you have left at the age of 43. Because Father Time is undefeated. Anyway, I just wanted to get that off my chest because I read that and I was like, get the fuck out of here with that scared bullshit. Glover Teixeira, are you kidding me?
1: One, we all knew that Mago Manakalai was a dick, first of all. Yes, yes, we we we, we knew that. The guy's guy's a douchebag. But two, that's a very lazy and small-minded way to think about what Glover said. I mean, just to be like, oh, he's scared. When clearly he just said, I fought Jan before. That's a fight. That's a training camp I've been through. I can fight him on short notice, right? But a guy like Ankaliev, who's completely different from Yuri and Jan, I mean, stylistically, that's why we want to see Yuri and Jan fight so bad. But right. Ankaliev is completely di- on the, like you said, on the other side of the spectrum. He asked for three more weeks to fight that's him.
0: That's it, three weeks.
1: <laughs> he asked for three more weeks to fight him, and the UFC putting themselves shot themselves in the foot by only having one title fight on this card. They're like, oh no, we you 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 have to fight at 282 or or nothing. Yeah. So Glover. Like you said, knowing that it's either if he if he if he gets a, if he fights and he loses, that's it. His light heavyweight title run it's over. So Glover just being strategic and being smart, knowing what knowing what awaits him, that's just him being strategic. It's not it doesn't have anything to do with being scared. Like like you said, Glover Teixeira, he's fought the best of the best for years. Like he has no reason to be scared of Magomed akhalayev
0: Magomed Onkolaev is not scarier than Yuri Prohaska. Not one bit. <laughs> or Jan Blachowicz, for that matter, right? Like, it's just a different stylistic matchup to prepare for. But in terms of scary matchup, I don't think that's a scary matchup. In fact, that's probably a mean, more advantageous for Glover. Because Magomed does a lot of the same things Glover does. And I'm not sure he does them better.
1: Exactly, and and like he doesn't have to worry about Magomed really separating him from his consciousness like right? he does with Yuri and Yan. I mean, Akhly, we've seen him get knockouts before, but I think that that fight with with Glover will be more of a grappler grappling, you know, strike type fight. But yeah, Yuri and Yan are coming to separate you from your consciousness, not man? So that's right. Yeah, Magomed. I mean, the guy's good, but I mean, he's a douche for sure. <laughs>
0: yeah. Anyway, I just I, I've been waiting to get that off my chest uh, since I read that stupid ass quote. And here we are the main event of UFC 282. It is the former light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovic and Magomed Ankalaev. Oddshark.com has Ankalaev as the -275 favorite plus 215 for Jan Blahovic.
1: Now before I make my pick, I just want to say this. Throughout Magomed Ankalaev's run uh, and I think he's lost one time to Paul Craig and that was very early in his, in this run, but he's been, you know, pretty much flawless up to this point a lot of people have, have pretty much said he's the next guy all this the boogeyman of the division i haven't seen necessarily boogeyman but i have you know he's he's pretty good everywhere i'll give him that like for as much of a douche that he is the guy's good everywhere and he'll present challenges that not many of the light heavyweights uh today will present so um when it comes to this fight, man, uh, when they're originally s- supposed to fight in the co-main event, it's going to be three rounds. I easily was gonna was gonna pick Akalayev because you know I think if he can get Jan down, which I expect him to over three rounds, that's easy money for him. I think you know, Jan's a slow starter. So a lot of this uh, the three rounds, it just would have favored uh Akulaev for sure. But as this goes for as this goes to five rounds, um title fight you know the championship experience and uh you know if it favors Jan and then the uh he normally just turns to to pick it up in the third round um Glover never let it get there but we saw it on full display against Izzy so i think that Jan fights very well against other strikers he he has time to get his rhythm down we saw it against Dominic Reyes he got he, he had time to you know Get his timing, his rhythm. He got time to get all that down. And then eventually, uh, figure out a path to victory, whether that's getting, whether that's getting a knockout of Dominic Reyes, whether that's taking Israel to sign you down in, in round four and round five. Um, I just think at this point, uh, Magomed and his wrestling, whatever Jan's fought a wrestler, you know, it just hasn't really done well for him. Uh, Glover, um, Alexander Gustafson was able to get him down. Uh, he never let Corey Anderson get a, get a hold of him, but I think over time, Corey Anderson would have eventually got, got a hold of him. But uh, if you get Jan on his back, I don't think he really has an answer. And I think that Ankalaev will be able to bank at least the first three rounds. We'll see how the, how the third round goes, but I think he'll be able to bank the first three rounds before Jan is able to get started. So as much as I think that that the guy's a douche, I think that Mago Manakaliev is going to be your new light heavyweight champion uh, on Saturday. But I'll be in the building, and nothing would make me more happy
0: than to see Jan (laughs) Blahovic knock him out. (laughs) Give me two-time light heavyweight champion of the world, Jan Blahovic. Like, I think back to the Tiago Santos fight, and that fight didn't go to the mat, did it? I mean, that was... That was Magomed Ankalaev very much understanding the danger that existed in taking a shot from Tiago Santos, and he was very, very careful, and I think this could be a very similar fight. I don't think he's going to just wildly shoot in. I do think the difference maybe on the other side of it is I I don't think Ankulayev can just point Jan Blahovich in the stand-up. I think that there is a lot more fight in Jan Blahovich than there was in Tiago Santos at that point, so for me, it's not just a no-brainer that this fight is going to go to the ground. Um, if it does go to the ground, there is, like, this is an understatement. There is a massive advantage for Uncle Liev if it does go to the ground, and he's probably going to win whatever round or rounds that it does go to the mat. He's going to win those rounds. Like it's, I- I'm not even entertaining the idea that Jan is going to put up a good fight if he does get taken down, but I think Jan is incredibly dangerous in terms of, like you said, separating you from your consciousness, and I thought I thought Uncle Liev was very much um aware of what Tiago Santos was capable in that fight and he did not make it a point to get himself in harm's way. And maybe that's a similar situation with Jan Blahovic. Um give me Jan Blahovic, though. I think landing a big shot, um, at some point, like Blahovic will engage you more than Tiago Santos will, and if that opportunity is there, I think Blahovic is the guy that, that will land the shot that ends the fight as opposed to the other way around. So two time light heavyweight champion Blahovic is my pick. And I hope I'm right too. Not because of the picks, yeah, I but I hope you for the same reason as you, I, I, I
1: hope you're right for sure. But um, yeah, I, I think that uh, by the time Jan gets started, he'll be so far behind. Um, and you know, Magomed is not is not a slouch on the feet. You know, he'll no, not at all. The kicks. You know, he you saw what he did to Anthony Smith, and he he was pretty uh, hesitant against Thiago Santos. Uh, but Jan is a slow starter. If Jan was more of a of a quicker starter, yeah. then I would probably pick Jan, but um i just think early on yaz gonna have to address that he's gonna have to get magomed's respect early and uh, if he's able to do that then i think i think the those last two rounds um you can pretty much bank for for uh, for blakovic uh, because that's that's just when he shines i think he just you know like like he's kind of like peter yan in a way collects data and then yeah. by the by the end of it he kind of just figures you out and then he, he gets going but I think he'll, he'll just be so far uh, down on the scorecards, three down 3-0, that it'll just be too late. But we'll see, man. Uh, I think it'll be a, a pretty entertaining fight for as long as it lasts. And I think if this fight gets finished, it'll be uh, a Jan uh, legendary Polish power that gets Uncle I've out of there. So we'll see, man.
0: There we go. There we go. Well, I am extremely jealous that you will be in the building taking in this fight. Safe travels to you, buddy. Have a great time and happy early birthday.
1: Appreciate it, my brother. Happy birthday to you as well. 25. Me too. Me too.
0: That is Will Brewer. I'm Colby Daniels. We will talk to you next week.
1: It's is over.